भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो 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 भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद् भागवतम कंटो सेवन चैप्टर फिफ्टीन टेक्स्ट फोर्टी फाइव Translation and commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Can we have simultaneous translation? We have only one channel working. Only one loudspeaker is working. Well, you have a loud voice. It's just that the time for the lecture becomes literally halved. Get get half the. It's all. Supposed to be unlimitedly good, but still you only get half unlimited value. So let's go on. As long as one has to personality of Godhead's mercy, one must then conquer the enemies mentioned above. In this way, the devotee should be able to merge into his own transcendental bliss, and then he may give up his body and resume his own spiritual identity. Now, as you all know, today is. Balaram Purnima, the Titi, or lunar day of the full moon, which corresponds to the appearance day of Lord Balaram in this world. This evening, Purnachandra Prabhu will speak on Balaram Tattva. Uh, I heard him speak on this subject a few years ago. On Balaram Purnima, in London, he was speaking on this, and I think I can safely say that you are going to get the Hare Krishna. He doesn't know how to go out. Have to open the open up so he can get out. How can he get out? They don't stop these birds. They never. They're always flying. They hardly stop. They won't settle anywhere. Mm. So uh, you'll get a thoroughly researched lecture on Balaram with so many points from so many different scriptures. This evening, he went out. He, he or she? <laughs> he? You can tell. Well, if you know, you can tell. Like, male sparrows and female sparrows look different, so maybe swifts do also, but they move so fast you can't see them. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to speak uh, widely on Balaram Tattva, but as today, as Lord Balaram, as Prabhupada has. Uh, emphasized in this purport, Lord Balaram, he is the guru, he's connected with Guru Tattva, he gives the strength. Balaram, Bala, means strength. One name for Balaram is Bala. He is strength. He is Strength personified. Balang Balavatang Chaham in Bhagavad Gita says, I am the strength of the strong. 
So Balaram is known as strength. He also, uh, various forms of the Lord, specifically various forms of the, apart from Krishna being Purna Purushottam, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is never incomplete. But in among his many forms, the original form, Krishna, <coughs> shows all the opulences. And some of the uh, avatars, they show speci- or they exhibit specific opulences. So, Balaram, which one? Who can say? Apart from Purnachandra. It's not strength. It's mentioned in the nectar of devotion, I believe. Anyone? Beauty. Beauty of Krishna. The beauty of the Supreme Lord. So, Balaram is famous for his strength. We could his physical strength, of course, that's trans spiritual physical strength, and dragging the whole city of Hastinapur towards the Yamuna. That's one instance. And as Anantade, this uh, Chaitanya Bhagavat, Vrindavan Das Thakur, and in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Srila Krishidas Kaviraj Goswami have both demonstrated uh, the strength of Balaram that by his expansion, Anantadev, he manifests and supports all the universes. And also Anantadev is known as the best devotee. So in this way also Balaram is guru because he shows how to serve Krishna. And Balaram is fully concerned with serving Krishna. I won't get into too many details because this evening Purnachandra Prabhu will explain all these things. But it's a good day for giving initiation. It's a good day to take initiation. So we're having an initiation ceremony this morning. So I'll speak not directly on Lord Balaram now, but on some topics of Guru Tattva, some points to be understood. There'll be later there'll also be a class on the meaning of initiation, the importance of accepting a guru. This subject it's a very, very big subject, Guru Tattva. And although often devotees they they want to know is it like this or is it like that? Yesterday we were talking about jnana and bhakti. Jnana is solid, something fixed. Whereas bhakti is, in, pure bhakti is spontaneous. It's unpredictable. So we want to know about Guru Tattva. We should know, but at the same time we should know that although Guru is one, Inasmuch as every guru represents Krishna, they represent the same principle. But at the same time, every guru is a different person. And how exactly they represent Krishna to their disciples is going to be different in every case because every guru is a different person. So, Guru Tattva is definable to some extent, but to, in other ways, not. He, he, each guru is a devotee of Krishna, has his own individual relationship with Krishna. 
and uh, perceives Krishna somewhat differently to that of every other devotee. So he will tend to teach. Of course, he must teach according to Shastra. Achinoti Yashastrani. In Guru's first qualification is that he must teach according to Shastra. If he doesn't teach according to Shastra, then he's not a Guru. So, uh, teaches according to Shastra. But Shastra, although from one perspective is definitive, but on the other hand, Krishna is not definable fully, to some extent, yes. But it's, again, the point I was making last night, it's not like in, in modern science we think we want to define everything. That is gyan. But bhakti begins with the understanding that we cannot fully understand Krishna. So bhakti is spontaneous, whereas gyan is defined. And the two go together. The guru gives knowledge of Krishna, but it's there's a difference between a, an academic teacher and a guru. There are many, not many, but some academic teachers. They study Vaishnavism. And in some ways they can they could explain the philosophy of Krishna consciousness or maybe the philosophy of Ramanuja Acharya or different strains of Vaishnava philosophy. They could in, in some ways explain it better than committed devotees, but they cannot communicate even one speck of bhakti if they don't have it themselves, which generally those who are academic scholars don't have because they take bhakti as something, as, as an object of gyan. Whereas rather gyan is that which is a facet of bhakti. And if gyan doesn't lead to bhakti, then it's not gyan at all. So simply to know and teach, that is in and of itself not the function of a guru. That's certainly to teach, but to communicate the spirit of bhakti, this, this service attitude, this, the, the service attitude means not just service, service that you can get service by pay. And in, in some of our temples, not in this part of the world, but in other parts of the world, where there's more money floating around, uh, they sometimes employ, and they even sometimes the temple leaders even prefer that because if you, you then you can if you pay someone you can tell them what to do and this and that. But uh, unfortunately, that doesn't foster bhakti. You may say, "Well, could you cook an extra offering? How much are you going to give me?" Oh, I already did mine. Eight hours today, so that that doesn't foster bhakti. Oh, yeah, that doesn't foster. You can service and service attitude, and not necessarily the same. The service attitude that I want to serve Krishna. That exactly how that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, I don't want any pay, or the pay you give me, love of God. So, na dhanam, na janam, na sundram. I want to serve you a haitukhi bhakti. 
birth after birth. I want to serve you, but I don't want anything back. Prahlad Maharaj also protested to Nrsinghadev that, why are you offering me something? I didn't serve you like a merchant. There's so many merchants coming. Give me this, give me that. They'll go, so you'll go to uh, Tirumala, Balaji. So many people are coming. Give me this, give me that. They don't know who Balaji is. They don't even want to know, many of them. They're not that sick, but they, they think, he can give me something? Okay. It's a good business. Put a thousand rupees donation and get ten thousand back. So, and it works. Otherwise, why are they going? They wouldn't be going. If it wasn't working, they know. But this attitude is not one of bhakti. That may be something which can give some initial attraction to the Lord on a very low level. But bhakti means the spontaneous desire of the purified soul to serve Krishna. The, that spontaneous desire will not arise in the heart of one who is not purified. So Guru himself has to be purified, has to know how to serve Krishna and has to instill in disciples that spirit of service to Krishna which can only come about if one is purified. The purification comes from performing service and following the, the, the principles of bhakti yoga in the uh, following the vidhi, vaidhi sadhana bhakti. <clears throat> that is not an end in itself. The rules and regulations are taught. Guru himself, Swayam Acharate, he himself follows to teach others to set that example that this should be done but following rules and regulations is not in and of it doesn't in and of itself constitute bhakti in the <coughs> beginning stage if we don't follow rules and regulations then 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 we there's no hope of our coming to bhakti because our spontaneous desire to serve krishna having become perverted we it's as if we're spontaneously attracted to maya it's not the spontaneous desire of the soul, but it's the perverted consciousness that we we become attracted immediately. Any nonsense, or so many different, or different varieties of nonsense. Some some people are attracted to different varieties according to the modes of nature and according to the individual proclivities which they have accrued. Just like. Uh, traveling through Europe, I found that, uh, well, this World Cup was going on, so I was, I was asking what in Finland they're doing. Oh, they're not so into They're more into ice hockey. So someone may be attracted to ice hockey and someone's attracted to soccer and someone's attracted to different sports. And someone may have no interest in sports, but they're interested in going to movies or whatever it may be. So the, the tendency to be attracted to maya seems almost spontaneous in the conditioned soul. So that is to be regulated. Rules and regulations. Don't go to the movies. Don't go to the football game. Don't. And yes, do this. 
come to the arati, chant Hare Krishna, positive and negative. And then these, uh, but that, go to the arati, chant Hare Krishna, that is meant to, is not meant simply as a rule. As Prabhupada once, one time, sarcastically said, he was chanting, and he put his beat back and said, now I've finished my 16 rounds, I can do any damn thing I like. But that's that's just to show us what the attitude should not be in sarcasm, he's saying. But rather the chanting, as Prabhupada once says, what does this chanting lead to? More chanting. Chanting, all these processes of bhakti, that should lead to by by coming in contact with Krishna, because Krishna is so wonderful, and our natural relationship is with Him, so by following these processes, is the spontaneous desire to serve Krishna should arise. So, Hare Krishna Mahamantra, Etoshabhav, Jejape Tar Krishna Upajai Bhav. It is the nature of the Hare Krishna mantra that one who chants that mantra, their feelings for Krishna arise. So Krishna is a feelingful person. And it's natural that when we come in, if we have contact with anyone, then we develop some feelings for them. Except in the modern age, which is so impersonal. I think this hasn't come probably in Croatia yet, but in other more advanced countries, they are more advanced in ignorance. Uh, you, you could be living in an apartment in Stockholm or London for 10 years and only vaguely know the name of the person in the next apartment because it's written on the outside. Otherwise, you never, you never even speak to them. That happens sometimes, that that uh, they found out someone's dead for the last 10 days by the smell coming out of the apartment. Otherwise, they don't have any relationship with anyone. But otherwise, generally, if we, if we see people, we talk to them, we see, we, even if we don't like them, we, there's some kind of relationship, even if it's one of dislike. So by coming in contact with, with someone, anyone, we have a relationship, even if it's a dog. Or it might even be a chicken or anything, just some living being with some feeling for that. So, I remember as a child I had, what a strange pet, a pet tortoise. So, you have to hibernate them in the winter. You have to put them in the in some straw and they go to sleep during the winter. So, you put him in the boiler house and then when it was time for him to come out again, dead. He died in his sleep. Long sleep. So I was upset. Oh, my pet tortoise died. Oh. I'm sure the tortoise wasn't aware of it, but I had feelings for the tortoise, which were, became apparent when he died. So any living being we come in contact with, we, have, we develop feelings for. So certainly, if we come in contact, the whole idea of the rules and regulations is to Bring us in contact with Krishna so that our feeling, our natural feelings for Krishna arise. That process is uh, 
in the main process in Kali Yuga, or the process in Kali Yuga, is chanting the holy names of Krishna. But the Pancharatriki vidhi of worshipping the deities is also necessary. So we can realize this is Krishna. We have to feed, if we don't feed him, he's going to be hungry. We have to dress him. Now it's very cold in the morning. He didn't, Gornitai didn't have any chadas this morning. We all had chadas, but they didn't have chadas. So whoever's looking after them, please look after them. We should see it's not some piece of woods, but Gornitai, they're going to get a cold. You have to look after them. Yeah, they will. So, uh, personal service. Make garlands, dress them very nicely. Shivigahara, dhana nityanana, shingaratan, mandira marjanada, yuktasya bhaktangs, chanayanjatopi, vandegaro shri charanaravindam. Engaging in the deity worship and engaging disciples in deity worship, that's one of the Duties. Again, for the spiritual master, it's a duty. But for the disciple, sorry, for the disciple, it's a duty. But for the spiritual master, that's his acting in his constitutional position and training the disciples to do so. So all the rules and regulations are meant to bring us in contact with Krishna. And when we come in contact with Krishna, in the devotional line, then we become, naturally our spontaneous feelings towards Krishna gradually arise. And mm, that is the purpose of following the process of Bhakti Yoga, which begins with mm, Tasmat Guru Padashrayam, taking shelter of the lotus feet of a Guru. Krishna Dikshadi Shikshanam, taking initiation in Krishna mantra. Guru means devotee of Krishna. Vaishnava Shwapacha Guru, who, whatever the family background of a Vaishnava, he must be a Guru. Vaishnava must be a Guru. No one else can be a Guru. So, Tasmat Guru Padasha, then Krishna Dikshadi Shikshanam. Teaching. Teaching, again, not just by some academic method. That's also required. That's a, that's a major function or duty of the Guru is to teach scripture to the disciple. Then Vishrambhena uh, Guru Seva, serving the Guru with affection. These are the beginning activities among the 64 principal items of devotional service enumerated by Srila Rupa Goswami. The first four concern the Guru because it's not do-it-yourself. Do-it-yourself bhakti. Actually, all the scriptures, then they're not, traditionally they're not meant that you just pick it up and read it. Rather, the one is taught by the guru, and the scriptures are there. They're like reference books to re, to refer back to, or or the guru teaches shastra, and then you can see what is written, what the acharyas have written, 
one disciple of Srila Bhakti Stansasra Thakur, who I spent a lot of time with, he, uh, he told me he was living in the Goryamat for about 13 years before the disappearance of Srila Bhakti Stansasra Thakur. He said at that time we didn't read many books. We didn't read so much. We were so busy in service. But we did a lot of hearing. And he said, I, I learned so many shlokas and we were going out and preaching, but we hardly read. We were here. Because, of course, Bhaktisthan Sarasvara Thakur, his lectures were usually minimum two hours, sometimes four hours or more. We don't have the patience nowadays. But then he said, later I read and then I saw everything is there. What, what so many shlokas I'd learned by hearing. So that's the traditional system. Books are... For, we think that books are for intellectuals, but from the Vedic perspective, books are for less intelligent people <laughs> who can't hear and remember. Therefore, we need books. <laughs> so, Jati Shekhapabu. So, hearing, that is the important function, hearing, from Guru. Hearing, serving. What are, what are the three functions that are stated in Bhagavad Gita? That Pranipat, bowing down, approaching in a submissive attitude. Otherwise, there's no meaning of disciple. That, uh, in the modern age, there's the idea of democracy. Everyone has rights. Citizens' rights, women's rights, children's rights, animals' rights. I'm just wondering when in ISKCON they're going to have the disciples' rights movement. <laughs> why is this good? Why are they always telling us what to do? I think we, you know, it's too much. We should all be equal. But well, there's some idea like that. This Ritvik movement that everyone's all in it. Prabhupada's way, 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 way up above there, and no one else can come anywhere near him, which is. True in one sense, but on the other hand, uh, as Srila Bhaktisdhanta Sartako said, that unless someone takes the position of Guru, then how can the parampara go on? And anyway, it has to be. If anyone's come, even if you say no, no Guru, still someone has to teach others. It's, it's, in many ways, it's just semantics or word jugglery, as Prabhupada used to say, because those those who take the position of Ridviks, I, I see in, in Bangalore, someone has declared Ridvik, he's well known to be like a dictator in his own temple. and He's more like an Acharya. And our own Iskong gurus, which like, you know, we all work with each other and we work with the temple presidents and this and that. So it, it's, it's more like the Ritvik idea than the Ritviks say. And they themselves become more like the like the uh, absolute acharyas. So, it's a funny world. So, uh, one has to submit. That's, I, I need to learn. I come humbly. That uh, it's not a matter of, it's not an, coming to Guru is not an interfaith dialogue. Uh, well, what do you think? Well, yeah, that's all right. Well, I think this, and uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, okay. 
I I can accept part of that. It's not like that. Prabhupada said, don't accept a guru unless you're prepared to surrender. That important word, surrender. Not a, It definitely isn't a, a concept that comes in the modern Western culture. The idea that one has to submit oneself fully to another. Rather, the whole modern Western culture rebels against this idea of there should be any, uh, even in, in uh, material life, that there should be any fixed leader. They have you, the citizens vote a leader, and he, in many countries they have a. You can't be like in America. It's Two times four years, right? And that's it. Time's up. You're out. However popular you may be. They have such distrust that anyone is competent to lead. So they give you leadership, but okay, you can be a leader. We vote you in, but only for a limited time. They don't try. Practically, they're admitting by having such a system, they're admitting that we need a leader, but we can't really trust anyone as a leader. The trust is required to submit, but who we who are we going to trust? Well, again, in Shastra is the center. There are guidelines in Shastra. We say we have to learn Shastra from a guru. Yes, but uh, within uh, the Vedic culture, there there is the uh, apart from systematically studying Shastra, there's also general knowledge within the within the very culture. Even without learning from a guru, from childhood one will learn from gurus. The first guru is the mother. And practically the grandmothers, they tell so many stories to the children from Mahabharata and Ramayana. So, by, and, and then in the village there are people will come, the Puranikas, they will tell stories from the Puranas. and There will be dramas of the Lord's Leela. So one imbibes the concept of just by hearing and being in that culture, one imbibes the concept. There are gurus, just like we see Ram. He was taken by Guru Vishwamitra, so in who was teaching him as they walked along so many things. So that concept is imbibed. So one has to have a general idea. If one is to approach Guru, one has to have a general idea what, what you're going for. Just like Prabhupada said, he gave the example that if you if you want to buy an electrical item, then you don't go to the grocery store. So, if you if we want Krishna consciousness, sometimes people come and say, well, what does the Ram Krishna mission teach? Or what does the Paramahamsa, Yogananda, what do they teach? And say, well, you go there, you want to know? Go there. We don't teach that. You want Krishna consciousness? Come here. In fact, we don't recommend you go there, but better you stay here and learn about Krishna consciousness. This is not, this is not a smorgasbord or buffet where you, you teach so many things and then you, you take whatever you like. But rather, the specific knowledge of, of Krishna. 
in Krishna consciousness. There's general knowledge is given in Shastra and practically how to apply it in your life. For that one requires a guru and for that one requires submission. Bow down. Why should I bow down? I don't see why I have to bow down. You can hear that you can hear where there's one at the end of one lecture in Seattle in 1968. Someone says like that. Prabhupada jumps on him. You don't think you have to bow down, but you will be forced to bow down by old age, disease and death. So better you bow down to he who can free you from old age, disease and death. If you don't, if you think I don't have to bow down, you will be anyway you will be forced to. But that forced to bow down is not very pleasant. Rather you bow down to at at that place where you can get the knowledge by which you don't have by which you can cross over death. You don't have to bow down to death. So pranipat, submission, submission has to be there. It's another defect of this Ritvik system. There's no submission. It's just that, you know, well, he's just a, he's just a priest at all. And, and there's nothing more to it than that. There's so many defects. There's no relationship established. It's just a function. You do, you, you do the function and then, uh, then it's between you and Prabhupada. Well, how do I do this? How do I do that? You, 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 go and ask Prabhupada. What are you going to do? Practical guidance has to be there. But in Vedic culture, the practical guidance, uh, one is extremely grateful for that. that Someone has helped me. They've taken the trouble to help me. You'll see the culture is, uh, uh, guru culture is so strong that even in modern India, there are so many drivers, professional drivers. And, I mean, they do. They drive. For, they drive trucks, mostly driving trucks. There are more than a million trucks on the Indian roads. So, to become a driver, first of all, you have to become a driver's helper. It's like an apprentice. And the driver, you 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 clean the window and you make you bring the chai for the driver when he stops, and he gradually teaches you how to drive and all the tricks of the trade. You know how to deal with the police, how much to give them when they want a bribe, and all the things which are required to be a driver in India. So that driver's assistant, he treats the driver like a guru. He is very respectful. Oh, he's teaching. That culture is there. But in the modern age, education is a purchasable commodity. So there's no relationship established between the teacher and the students. And the teacher doesn't care that much whether the students pass their exam or not. Well, he cares because it affects his reputation. But he doesn't personally care for them. You go to school and then you come out. Who's out of all of you here, apart from the children who are still going to the slaughterhouse or whatever you call it, who's... Is anyone keeping any relationship with their, with their teachers at school? Anyone? No. <laughs> they taught you and you, you, the moment you leave school, it's finished. That's all. 
And even they may come and go. In the first two years, you have one teacher from science and then someone else comes and takes it up. There's no relation. It's, or it's just a passing relationship. But the, but chokudana diloje janme janme prabhushe. The relationship with one who gives us knowledge of Krishna, it's, the relationship is in, in relationship with Krishna. So that relationship is not ended by getting a certificate. But it's, it's an ongoing, even life after life. And so it's such a commitment. That's why we don't, in ISKCON, we don't, according, following Shastra, which states that, well, there are different statements, but in Hari Bhakti Vilas, it's, it's stated that, uh, the one approaches a guru or a devotee and asks that you please guide me. And then, all right, but I have to see you for one year. And who approaches, they also have to see for one year. Then then the exchange, because initiation, because it's a very great commitment. So... First of all, there's an initial seeing. Is is this person, is he real to guide me? Is he, is he just talking or is he actually following? Does he mean what he says? Is he talking so many high things and then going off to the disco? Or what's going on here? We have to see. Then if both parties are satisfied, then initiation. That's why... In Iskon generally, although sometimes it's there's also statements that one should as, as soon as one gets the association of guru, one should take initiation. But that's generally not recommended in the modern age because people don't have the culture of understanding what is the meaning of that. So it's easy come, easy go. They, they may be frivolous. So in Iskon we're actually very strict, more than any other organization, Vaishnav or non Vaishnav. Of course, others may be strict in other ways. They only admit persons born in Brahmana families, but that's a, that's a mundane consideration. You can go to the Gorya Mat and they'll initiate you on the spot, even sannyas. They might you might not even know you're initiated. They'll tell you, "Well, now you're initiated. I just initiated you." Really? It happens sometimes. It happens sometimes, but that's that's not very meaningful. If there's no commitment, no surrender, no consideration, it's not very meaningful. So this uh, pranipat, pariprasna, one has to question. All the shastras in the form of questions and answers. One has to be inquisitive to know. Tadvigyanatam sagurum evabhigachet. One must approach a guru to learn about Krishna. It's, we say we have to get the mercy of guru, yes, but it's not just, what's that called? Shaktipat, the, the guru just blasts you with some electrical current or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're... Now I became 
Superman. It's not like that. There is transmission of Shakti, but by the process of hearing and serving. Service must be. Hearing what? Hearing that we're servants of Krishna. So then there must be service. Service is offered through the medium of the Guru, so we have to see how he is satisfied. Again, now this then becomes very personal, individual. Just like uh, each Guru has their own likes and dislikes. And generally they all like to serve Krishna, but but there may be personal likes and dislikes, just like someone likes to drink milk and someone likes to drink orange juice. At one time he may like to bring, I, I bring me a glass of milk and then, and then you, oh, he likes milk. So for, you know, for every half an hour you bring him a glass of milk, but he only wanted then. It's not that, it's not like a, an eternal function. I have to, now only milk. One time that Prabhupada asked for a glass of water and they brought him a glass of milk. And said, Why do you bring a glass of milk? Well, milk's better than water. But I asked for a glass of water. <laughs> Another time he may ask for a glass of milk and say, but Prabhupada, last time you said you want a glass of water. Why can't you be consistent? So, there's foolishness. There's one story to exhibit the the foolishness, there are many such stories, but the foolishness of one who f- follows without any thoughtfulness. One has to learn how to serve in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. Just like it's in Shastra it said that you should use the peacock fan from Shivratri to Kartik Purnima, which is the period now. So, But you're not using that's good, because if you use in Mongolarti, it's so cold, definitely Garnitai are going to get a cold. They're already cold. So even though the, in India it's hot at that time, but here it's cold, at least in the morning. So thoughtfulness, we don't, we don't use the fan, because it's meant, it's pleasing for the Lord, because it's cooling. So if it's already too cold, then don't use the fan. So there's a story like that, that there was a, the, the, the blind follower, disciple, he's just following without thinking. One has to think also what is to be done. Intelligently understand the Guru's instructions. That the Guru was going on a journey, setting out on a journey, taking his disciple with him. So uh, the disciple was a little dull-headed. So everything was packed, uh, food, water, everything packed for the journey. So along the way, the pack with food and water fell down. Oh, no, no, no. wait a minute, wait a minute, stop here. The, the disciple was told that... Uh, don't do anything unless I tell you, because the guru knew he's frivolous and stupid. So don't do anything unless I tell you. So they're going, the guru's riding on the horse and the disciple is accompanying beside. The pack of food and water falls down. The guru doesn't notice. 
The disciple does, but he thought, oh, I shouldn't do anything unless the guru tells me. Okay, leave it. So they're going along and they stop at midday. It's time for lunch. So they stop and say, okay, get out the lunch. But It's five miles back, approximately. Why? Well, it fell down from the horse. Why didn't you pick it up? Well, you told me not to do anything unless I tell you. Okay. So, uh, if anything else falls down from the horse, just pick it up and put it on my lap. So you're going along and then the horse passes stool. (laughs) So the disciple very dutifully picks it up and puts it on the disciple's lap. Sorry. What did I say on the hot? On the disciples' lap, on the guru's lap. So. (laughs) So the guru thought, what to do now? So I said, well, if anything else falls down from the horse, um, first of all, you ask me. And then only if I say, you put it back on the horse. Okay? All right. So they're going along and uh, a dog jumps out and barks at the horse and the horse bolts up and the guru falls off the horse and falls down unconscious. So a disciple asks the guru, should I put you back on the horse? He's unconscious. So he doesn't answer. So the guru lies there and the disciple walks off with the horse. So this is an example of how not to be a disciple, of extreme stupidity. Of course, maybe you say the guru shouldn't accept such a disciple in the first place, didn't test him properly. So the disciple should act intelligently for the pleasure of the guru. The pleasure of the guru means assisting the Guru in his service to Krishna. The pleasure of the Guru doesn't mean that, as Prabhupada writes, the Guru is not an enjoyer of facilities offered by the disciple. It's not that now he's he's become a Guru. You were talking about that, right? When you become a Guru in Iskand. Actually, uh, we should see all Vaishnavas as Gurus, especially senior Vaishnavas. The very word Guru means... One meaning of the word guru is senior. It doesn't necessarily mean one who's giving initiation. Any elderly person or who's senior to us in devotional service, father, mother, they're all gurus. Of course, here we're using the term guru as uh, who gives, specifically who gives initiation. But the the important function of the of the guru, we're saying the guru here, is to give spiritual instruction. And the the essence of diksha is spiritual instruction. Again, it's not this magic blast with some electric current, but giving instruction. So those who give instruction, they are gurus, whether by practice or by precept. Every Vaishnava is a guru. Even if they don't formally instruct, 
but just by their behavior. One, can le- one, one should learn from the behavior of advanced devotees how to behave in devotional service. So all Vaishnavas are gurus. Of course, one uh, makes a specific relationship with one guru by, by who is the mantra guru, who gives mantra upadesha, who speaks the mantra in the ear of the disciple. But one may have and should recognize that we have many gurus who are Whoever is giving spiritual knowledge, especially if we hear regularly from uh, a particular Vaishnav, then they, the, uh, they may be considered guru. So one hears from guru and intelligently applies that uh, and assists the guru in serving Krishna. And all facilities are offered by the disciple. In this way, the disciple learns how to serve. The guru trains how to serve. Not that he has interest in sense gratification, but it's the the duty of the junior to serve the senior. Even we're to, we're thinking all this service for guru, but that even that was normal in traditional India for sons to serve their fathers like that. That. Bring him water, just like we see Nanda Maharaj telling Krishna, bring my shoes, fanning him, massaging him. The, the sons would do this service to their father. There's so much. Guru Seva was the, people nowadays, they don't know. You have an electric fan, so no need to fan. Otherwise, in the, in the hot season, fanning all night, that was a normal thing. It's too, so hot, so the disciple will stand all night fanning the guru. And then in the day doing service also. We can't imagine. We think if we, if we cook a few chapatis that we're doing great service. Well, it may be good service. I'm not saying it's not good service, but how much it, modern conveniences have uh, taken away the opportunity and, and along with it the spirit of surrendered service. So that was, it's not, it wasn't only for sadhus, but like that for one's parents, for any elderly person, guest. Elderly persons like children, they need to be served so much. But that was, that was normal. The, the, the young girls, they're married, they go to their husband's home. It means their husband's father. So they have to serve the elders. That's their dharma. To serve the elders, to serve guests. Always service, service, service. So much service. Nowadays in India, the, the girls are getting married. Often they make the condition that we won't live with the, the husband's parents. Because they don't want to serve them and they don't want to be controlled by them. They don't want a guru. They want to be independent. Everyone should be independent. So now they want women's independence. But actually, in Vedic culture, it's, it's, that's Manu says, Nastriyam Swatantra Marhati, that women should not be independent. Probably no one's independent. If they, she gets married, the husband's also not independent. He's under his father, and his, and his father's under his father. And, and his father, he also, although he's 
the grandfather will be the head of the family or great-grandfather. Often four generations are living together. So even the grandfather has to follow the great-grandfather. Even the grandfather is 90 years old, but if the great-grandfather is 110, he has to follow what he says. That's the system. But even they won't, even he's not independent because he has to act properly. And then there's the, the elders of the village will come together. And if, if one of them, generally the elders won't misbehave. But if, if there's any lapse, serious lapse of behavior, then they'll discipline them. They may even... They, they. So, no one's independent. Specifically said, women shouldn't be independent. Men have some greater freedom. But everyone is controlled, actually, in Vedic culture. So this... This uh, coming under the, the control of Guru is a very disciplined culture. It's not, this, it's not just Guru and disciple, and you're disciplined by your Guru and then not anyone else. But on the social level, on the spiritual level, control. In the modern age, they hate this idea. It's liberté, égalité, fraternité, and everyone goes to hell. In the name of liberty, you give liberty without training, without character, means they're going to come down to animal level, which we see. Liberty for the uncontrolled... This verse is speaking about one has to take strength to conquer the enemies. That strength comes from the discipline, following the rules and regulations, under guidance. Without rules and regulations, without laws, then humans are just animals. And we see the result. They, they thought it was... The French Revolution, they thought it was a very high principle that everyone should have liberty, but, but it's based on the presumption that people are basically good and of high ideals. But the, the actual result is that human society has become come down to the animal level or lower. Because without training and discipline to come to a higher level, then... Uh, People go to the lower level. That's again that point. We're saying that bhakti is the feeling, but it needs guidance by jnan, which is, bhakti is like liquid and jnan is like solid. So without that guidance, the feeling, the water will just flow down to the lowest level. Our feelings will, will transmute into gross lust. So they need to be guided, pumped up by jnan. That is required. So the, the uh, guru gives knowledge, who is Krishna, how to serve, what are the rules and regulations. One has to be prepared to live by the discipline. Sometimes devotees, they, they might look around, or who, who, who's the least strict? Who, who I, can, I can get away with the most and get the best result. Pay less, get more. But it doesn't work like that. It's, it, it, it happened I, at least several occasions I know that some devotees were aspiring to take initiation from me but were talked out of it. That, oh, he's too strict. You should find someone not so strict. Okay. But... Uh, as I understand, that well, if someone says he's very strict, so you may re react in two ways. You may think, oh, that's too much. I can't take it. 
I may read, well, that's very good. That's what I want. That's why I want a guru. If you don't want discipline, then why go to a guru anyway? You want a guru or what do you want? You want a picture on the wall? You can wave some incense at? Guru blesses everything I do. We have a like picture of Jesus. We believe in Jesus and we do whatever we like. And Jesus loves us. All you have to do is believe in Him. It's not defined what believing in Him means, but you, you just believe in Him and He saves you from hell while you're busy making hell. <laughs> so you just believe in Him. It just is all theology reduced to a meaningless statement. As Prabhupada pointed out, believe means you have to believe His instructions and follow them. Otherwise, what's the meaning of believing? It's all hypocritical. So Guru means who teaches what's in Shastra. And Shastra, there are certain rules. So mercy is there, but mercy means the uh, that, that it's not, again, it's not just some transmission of some mystical current but it's uh, when, the, when the guru is pleased by seeing how one is sincerely practicing devotional service, then he bestows, then he's pleased and Krishna becomes pleased. It's not that, it's not that, well, you give the guru all facility for sense gratification and then he becomes pleased and then you get all the blessings. That's the sahaja idea that you or the, the caste Goswamis. That you, you're a guru, what's your qualification? Because I'm in a family of gurus. It's a mundane qualification. Uh, but, but, uh, and then all you have to do is please the guru. You give him some money, you wash his feet, and you feed him nicely, and he blesses you. And that's it. That's the guru-disciple relationship. There's no teaching, and just you have to please him. And he's pleased. I remember there was in Bangladesh, there, there was someone was telling us that that uh, our guru was telling us, if, if I go to your village, you have to give hilsa match, this one particularly flavorsome fish. So I said, okay, it's difficult to get in our village because it doesn't, they don't come in that area, but all right, that's the condition. The guru is giving a test. Will you live up to the test of the guru? Will you go to the trouble to get the hilsa fish? This is perversion. This is not bhakti. But for persons who want to be cheated, they'll take it like that. But uh, rather we should we should uh, find where that where are we going to get training and guidance? Of course, in ISKCON, we are all followers of Srila Prabhupada. And Guru in ISKCON means representing Srila Prabhupada. Otherwise, if not, then that's your qualification to be Guru is gone. It's... But representing means actually representing. It's not just, just like we're saying these Kasko Swamis, Nityananda Vangsha, or whatever, Advaita Vangsha, because they're born in a certain family, therefore they're qualified to be Guru. But no, 
You can be a guru, but you have to... To be born in Nityananda Vamsha is not a disqualification to be a guru. You can be a guru. But that's not the qualification. The qualification is you have to teach as Nityananda taught, as is received in Parampara. So similarly, even to be a member of ISKCON is not... To be recognized as a member of ISKCON is not in and of itself qualification to be a guru. One still has to follow Shastra. One has to act according to Shastra. If, if you say, simply, I'm, I'm faithful to ISKCON. Someone was telling me that, well, this person, he's not, we know he's not following properly, but he's faithful to ISKCON. So, okay. It's all right as a guru. But then it becomes like Nityananda Vamsha. You do any damn nonsense and just you have a rubber stamp on your head, member of ISKCON. But one has to be actually following. It is simply that uh, we, we are recognized as a member of ISKCON doesn't qualify one to uh, occupy the exalted post. Of guru, one has to teach according to Shastra and act according to Shastra. Otherwise, if one doesn't, then if one teaches something else, if one teaches something else than Shastra as received through Srila Prabhupada, then, or we act in a different way, then where's the qualification? It's, it's gone. And if we say, well, just to be a member of ISKCON, then we're, we're bringing in caste Goswamiism, that, that some, you would think that to be a member of the Nityananda Vamsha, that's a good qualification to be a guru, but it's not. So similarly, it's not simply to be a member of ISKCON. is not in and of itself qualification to be guru. Of course, all the guru, of course, when we say, when we say guru in ISKCON, that's generally understood to be one who has that approved status. But there may be as I said, every Vaishnava is a guru. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's order. Jare, general order to every Vaishnava. Jare Deko Tare Koha Krishna Upadesh. Amaragya Guru Haya Tara Edesh. So every Vaishnava is a guru, even if, he, even if he refuses to accept disciples. He's still guru. Still heavy, weighty, not laghu. Frivolous. Frivolous, light. Laghu means light. A guru is heavy, it means grave, weighty by transcendental knowledge, by by his uh, commitment to Krishna. That's uh, that's very weighty, significant. Whereas the, the karmis, they whatever they do, whatever even what they think significant is insignificant. I remember some few months ago I saw some picture, some photo of uh, some, I think it was a football team manager or something like that, or some sports team manager watching the game, and the look on his face—it was like you know, it's like so committed, like you know, like it's life and death or something, and they're just totally involved. And I say, just I, I when I first saw it, I thought, is he, you know, is it, like, is he joking or what? It was my first thought. I thought, no, actually, they do. They take it. It's so ridiculous, but they take it so seriously. But they, they take it very, very seriously. Sometimes you hear of someone, their football team loses a game and they commit suicide or something. 
or they should. That that happened a few years ago. Some footballer he made a mistake and he got shot dead for his mistake on the football field. People take it so seriously. This is laghu. They're very grave and very serious, but about the wrong thing. So guru should be grave. That doesn't mean he has to be with a rigid look on his face. He can also be. A devotee is at the same time light-hearted. Brahma bhuta prasannatma. But grave because he knows. Labdva sudolavamidam bahusambhavante. Oh, it's another verse quoted here. Ridehamadyam sulabam sudurlapam. The purpose of human life is to connect with Krishna. And for Krishna's pleasure, Krishnarte akila cheshta, everything must be done for Krishna's pleasure. So he be, he becomes disturbed. He may not be very disturbed if he if he hears plane crash, 130 people killed. But if he sees there's an ant crawling on Krishna, becomes very upset. Why? Get that ant off. He's disturbing Krishna. So he's very grave. The guru means heavy, and all gurus in Iskon. Yeah, we're talking about. All Vaishnavas are gurus, but specifically when we talk about gurus in ISKCON, we generally refer to those who have accepted the responsibility for giving initiation and accepting disciples. So all represent Srila Prabhupada, but again, they're all different persons. So... One devotee's attraction may be towards the personality of um, of one particular guru or the style of teaching or emphasis or whatever. And there tend to be spiritual genetics, just like the the parents past their, their uh, psychophysical properties onto their children. So similarly we find between gurus and disciples, just like you'll generally find for instance among Radhanath Swami's disciples, that they they take very seriously or they're, they're very much uh, concerned with serving other devotees because Radhanath Swami himself emphasizes that so much. So his disciples naturally pick that up. Or you may find Bhakti Bhushan Swami's disciples are very much into distributing Prabhupada's books because he very much emphasizes that. Or it's more likely among Lokanath Swami's disciples that they'll be more interested in Padayatra because he on order from Prabhupada is uh, that's service given to him by Prabhupada, so he takes more interest in that. So like that, some spiritual genetics, you could say. What the the characteristics of the guru they uh, they tend to be adopted by the disciples. Sometimes uh, in the the less important features also. Just like I see in one temple in India where I have 
quite a few disciples. Uh, I noticed how all of them keep their watch in their pocket. <laughs> because I do, I guess. <laughs> it's not... Well, that's not going to take you back to Godhead. <laughs> but uh, I suppose that's a sign of respect or something like that. It, but the tendency is to imitate the behavior of those we respect. So whether or not you wear the... The guru wears his watch in his pocket and, or keeps it in his pocket. and You can do so also if you like, but it doesn't make you a, a heretic or a re- rejecter of your guru if you happen to wear your watch on your wrist, like most people do. Although nowadays a lot of people don't use watches at all because they use their cell phone and they, they have the time on their cell phone. Anyway, I'm just giving that as an example. We, we have to differentiate between, again, intelligent following, what needs to be... Oh, I, again, you see Radha Swami's disciples, many of them, they, they dress as he does with this this cloth wrapped around like this. It looks very like a sadhu, like this. So, all right, that's nice. But it, it won't in and of itself take you back to Godhead. But, I'm going back to not. That won't do it for you, but it's a sign of some respect. But we should know what is the essence, the instruction, what to follow. Prabhupada was successful in spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world because he understood the essence of his Guru's teachings, which is to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world and therefore some adjustments need to be made. Adjustments not in principles, but in some details. That may be made, but not the principle. So intelligent following, not just imitating uh, one has to go deeply. Disciple also has to be guru. It means heavy. Otherwise, there's no meaning. Of course, a guru may accept all, all kinds of people, people who just show some kind of interest in Krishna consciousness. The pancharatrik, pancharatriki diksha is based on the principle of give people a chance. They're showing some seriousness, give them a chance. Vaidiki Diksha, you have to be so qualified to be a disciple that practically you have to be a pure devotee even before you start off. It seems like that. That, that, that just shows how, how strong the influence of culture was, that even before becoming a disciple, formally initiated in mantra, that one's training at home or is, is, was so good that one is already very qualified even before becoming a disciple and one can without being very qualified one cannot become a disciple so how do you get all those qualifications that you one should be uh, well behaved reverend should be very clean uh, all these qualities uh, they're uh, imbibed through culture and again culture it's it's received from persons so the initial the first guru is the mother and then all the parents, the family members. and So this culture that is imbibed, nowadays people are becoming disciples, but uh, even basic culture in many cases, is they don't have it. So it's you're starting, starting lower down on the scale. But, but, but just there's some 
desire to be Krishna conscious. So in that hope, the Pancharatriki Diksha is given. They're not qualified, but if they submit, if they follow, they can become qualified. So these are two principal kinds of Diksha. Pancharatriki Diksha, where that's the system going on in the modern age. Kali Yoga, Pancharatriki Diksha is recommended. There are very few candidates for for Vaidiki Diksha. And the strengths, where to get the strength? Strength comes from, everything comes from Krishna. Balaram especially, he is the first expansion of Krishna. He teaches about Krishna. Nityananda, he is Guru Nityananda. He was sent by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to preach. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu retired from preaching, he left the preaching to Nityananda Prabhu, who even more mercifully than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or, or rather he represented the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, spreading Krishna conscious very widely uh, to everyone without discrimination. So Srila Prabhupada is certainly represented the mercy of, or carried the mercy of Nityananda Prabhu. Therefore, we're all here today. Otherwise, we also, we're not qualified. When Prabhupada brought his Western disciples to India, the, the response from some people, from many people was very favorable. Oh, how nice, these Westerners are becoming Vaishnavas. But among the Vaishnav community or the Bra- and the Brahmana the community, generally there was a sense of rejection. Now, these people, they're not qualified to be Vaishnavas. Even, the, even some Goryamad people who are now very anxiously snapping up whoever they can initiate from the Western countries, they were protesting at first that these Westerners, they cannot be devotees. They're not qualified. They're not clean. They're not pure. They can't pronounce anything properly. They, they can't be Vaishnavas. In your next life, maybe. Not this life. So Prabhupada, he, as the representative of Krishna and Balaram, he went all over the world and he came back to Vrindavan and established Krishna Balaram Mandir just to show that Brajendranandan Jai Shachishuta Hoilo She Balarama Hoilo Nitai. Chaitanya Mahabhu is Krishna. Nityananda is Balaram. And by their mercy, Dino Hino Joto Chilo. Harinama Udharilo. By their mercy, they give the holy names. This, uh, by which everyone is delivered. All the most fallen are delivered. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Send Nityananda to preach. Tell everyone to chant Krishna, Krishna. But he thought, what these people they're going to chant? He told them, chant Goranga, Goranga. Easy. Same name, but Mahavadanya Avatar. Oh, yeah. I'll finish. So you can give a few comments, no? I'm just going to finish now. You don't want to say something? All right. You also have... Uh, Specific bodily difficulties at the present time. All right. Vanchitosmi, 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 na sangshaya.
All right, well, Guru is leaving. So, I'm just going to finish the class. I'll finish there. Anyway, are there any questions? There could be hundreds and thousands of questions. One question I, I'm being asked to address when I go to Finland is something about reinitiation and it's people have different opinions. <laughs> I might leave it at that. It's a question of faith. Yeah. Some disciples are Sridhar Swami or Bhakti Tirta Swami. Yeah, and it's gone, passed away. Passed out means gone. Yeah. That's, that means also Gorgovinda Swami and Tamal Krishna Goswami. Left with first initiation, yeah. They have two Diksha Gurus, if they get Brahminical initiation from another Guru, yeah. No, actually, you only t- one only takes Diksha once. Taking Harinam is, technically it's different from Diksha. Technically speaking. We say first initiation and second initiation. But technically, Diksha is what is initiation. Well, that's translated as initiation. Of course, the English language is something different and what's understood in English is something different. But although there's only one diksha, diksha means to be initiated into mantras. If it's Vaidiki diksha, then into Vedic mantras. And if it's Pancharatriki diksha, then into Pancharatric mantras. Although in our, in our, what we call second initiation, we give we give the uh, Pancharatric mantras and the Vedic mantra. Both. Vedic mantra is the Brahma Gayatri. And Pancharatriki Diksha, well, the Pancharatriki, the other mantras which are given, the other six mantras which are given, they're Pancharatric mantras. So, but the understanding is that by chanting the Pancharatric mantras, one becomes qualified to chant the Vedic mantra. So actually what they do in the Gorya Mat, Prabhupada simplified it, or what Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he'd give the Pancharatric mantras first, then you chant them, then you give the Vedic mantra, the Brahma Gayatri. So actually Diksha is only one, but there may be stages in that. There may, there may be levels in which one is gradually inducted into the Sampradaya, in the in the uh, Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya, they have various ceremonies and various stages, and the culmination is speaking the Charam Shlok into the disciple's ear. Which in the Ramanuj Sampradaya, they won't they won't speak this publicly. What is that mantra? The the, the ultimate shloka of Bhagavad Gita: Savadhaman Paritaja Mame Kamsharanang Raja Ahang Tuang Moksha They take this as because Krishna says after this, uh, what is that verse? Natapaskaya na bhaktaya kadachana. This nacha shushu shaveva chas. He says that this instruction should not be given to those who are not austere or devoted or engaged in devotional service. So they take it very literally. But then on the other hand, Harinam is 
is also, if one is given Harinam, then Harinam is more than, or, or the, the summons, it's Sarva Mantra Sarnam, Aishastra Marma. Harinam is the essence of all mantras. So giving Harinam is more than, it's, it's, it's of more import than giving uh, other mantras. Diksha means imparting mantras. That's the literal meaning. Divya, the, and the knowledge by which those mantras are to be understood. So one can have many gurus, but one only takes diksha once. But then you... Um, that refers to one kind of diksha. One can take diksha many times on a different level, just like one may be take diksha for a specific sacrifice. The sacrifice may last three days or seven days or three hours or whatever. But if the the yajaman, the one who performs the sacrifice, or the, who organize, for whose benefit the sacrifice is performed, he will be given diksha for that yajya, before the yajya, so he can get the benefit for it. But as far as taking diksha mantras, one only takes once. So that refers to what we call second initiation in ISKCON. It's a bit of a complex subject and it's made more complex by by the uh, by the English language it's, or whatever language you're using because the, 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 it, it, initiation doesn't have the same it's the it's the nearest English approximation to the word diksha. <laughs> but then even among followers of the Vedic culture, they may also give different imports to every word. That's why defining words is very important. Mm. Then any other question? Yeah. They should see each other, yeah. That's the standard process. It may be, but the checking may be also by consulting others. Hearing is very important, and that by modern technology... One can travel around a lot and one can also uh, hear staying in one place, even though the guru is traveling. And generally, lapses in behavior, that becomes apparent quite soon. Following, basic following should be there. Spiritual genetics I was talking about. What the guru emphasizes, the disciple tends to take seriously. I was just reading in Shutakirti Prabhu's newly published book. Prabhupada was saying to Wandiva, you are very advanced, you do not need to go to Mongoladi, but still you should go to teach, to set an example for others. So, if the guru goes to Mongoladi, the disciples, generally they'll take it seriously to go. And if he doesn't, they may not. They may think, well, it's not so important. 
Prabhupada very rarely went to Mangalati, but he insisted that others do. He said, actually, I should go, but at that time I'm working on writing my books. So it may be that an advanced devotee has something even more important than going to Mongolati. But for, for, for most devotees, it's so important to go that they don't have anything more important to do at that time. But then, if the advanced devotees, they may be doing something more important, but the tendency is for their disciples to think that, well, it's not, it's not so important because you can, you can do something else at that time. Spiritual genetics. <laughs> and that was, I was digressing from your question, but just something else popped into my mind about that point. So yeah, hearing. Another point is that everyone tends to get what they want and what they deserve. Brahmanda, Brahmate, Kono, Bhagavan, Jeev, Guru, Krishna, Prasade, Pai, Bhakti, Lata, It's how you, by the mercy of Guru and Krishna, you get the seed of devotion, how you conceive of that seed. Ishvara, Sarva, Bhutanam, Hridesha, Junatishtati, Brahmayan, Sarva, Bhutana, Yantra, Rudha, Imaya. You tend to get what you want. So, you know, like I was saying, sometimes people there, they approach me for initiation and then I find out they got initiated by someone else. But, I mean, it would be nice if they told me. But, but, uh, but uh, it doesn't bother me that much because, you know, it's between them and Krishna. If they go to Krishna through... If they go to Krishna, if they go follow Prabhupada's instructions through one of his disciples or another of his disciples, it, it shouldn't make that much difference because we're all following Prabhupada. Mm. But then again, you know, it's everyone gets what they want. <laughs> Although I, I would prefer if people, you know, they. They, they approach, they want to take initiation, a very serious thing, actually. So if you do d decide to change your mind, first of all, you shouldn't approach unless you're serious about it. And it should be a very serious decision to change your mind. It's not whimsically. It's not like, you know, which pair of socks shall I wear today? It's not like that. It should be. So one shouldn't approach whimsically. Can I approach you for initiation? One should approach very seriously. So, in between, you should, there should be some very solid reason to change your mind. And it's not that you can't, and then, but then if you do, also that you should uh, inform. Otherwise, it's, you know, like, like I say, treating the guru like a pair of socks or something. So, there's some... Gravity should be there. What we're doing. And by hearing, one should hear. The hearing is important. It's not just. Uh, otherwise, it's sentimentalism. If it's, you know, I, I like the smile. Oh, he gave me a sweet. 
So, yeah, I mean, personal interaction is there also. And definitely Prabhupada attracted so many people to Krishna conscious by his charm, his charming person, his very great pure devotee of Krishna, full of love of Krishna. But Prabhupada himself took so seriously giving class, that devotees should hear the class, because it's not just a matter of smiling and I like the way he sings. So those may be, may be factors, and that may be even be a, a principal reason for attraction. But then you have to hear. Otherwise, that's how people become voted as politicians by their by their smiling. <laughs> Yeah, but you have to see what this this man smiling. But you're going to vote him for president of America. What's his policy? It's not because he's not because he's more good looking than another. They reckon that the tightest America in the American presidential elections, the the tightest decision to date. Late afterwards, it became with Bush and that other guy whose name I forgot. Huh? Kerry, no, before Kerry, the, the senior Bush, I think it was. I, I don't know. Anyway, one of them. It was, a, it was a extremely tight. But before that, the tightest count-up was, was between Kennedy and uh, Nixon. And Kennedy got in. Later, Nixon got in. So they reckoned that the, the, the vital factor that swung the votes at the end was that uh, Kennedy was more good-looking than Nixon, and Nixon was so busy on the last day of polling that he 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 needed to shave twice a day to keep a clean face. And he, he didn't shave the second time, and the women didn't like that. And they liked Kennedy. He's more good-looking guy. So more women voted for Kennedy. And that was the vital factor. That's what they... And then Ronald Reagan, he was, he, he became president it's, as, as like a kind of stage show. And that's what they want. And actually, it's a fact. It's just the, the president. It's you know, it's more what the profile is. But actually, people should go deeper and see what's what's his, what does he stand for. So don't just see the profile. What does he stand for? What does he teach? What is, what is my commitment? If we look for least commitment, then maybe we shouldn't be looking for a guru at all. If we're looking for for someone who will demand the least from us, then the attitude seems to be wrong in the first place. Then maybe we shouldn't be looking for a guru at all. <laughs> if we're trying to get the least least thing that we have to do. It's a kind of cheating process from the very beginning. Any other question? Hmm. What if one becomes attracted to a spiritual master for a wrong reason, because of his smiling and this and that? Well, if he is a bona fide spiritual master, then they'll be smiling and they'll be smashing, not just smiling. So you'll be, if he is teaching the... Uh, hmm. Yeah, if, well, if one has come for the wrong reasons, that's why the guru also has to test. 
If you're just coming because you know they like the sound of his singing and this and that, it's it's going to be very difficult to train someone. They don't have the idea that I need to I need to take some discipline and be trained. So it may be superficial, but um, one maybe it's not that a bona fide guru can't smile or doesn't smile or certainly his personality is very attractive. So maybe very expert, as Prabhupada is very expert in bringing in all kinds of people, many who are very sentimental and training them in the process of devotional service. So, uh, so many people come, they're attracted by prasadam. That's like a major reason they come. But the point is that if one's going to take a guru, one should go deeper. Then in the beginning one can come, take prasad and and join in the activities. But then if one is to accept a guru, one should go deeper actually. One should be prepared to take the discipline and go deeper. There are so many points to be considered. Just like you're saying three days in a year, you may see. That might be more than many disciples in the past had. Just like Ramanuja and Madhva, they would travel and give initiation and never be seen again by their disciples. But the, but the Sangha was there. There were other devotees who were also... Ramanuja had so many sannyasi disciples, 700 eh? more than... So they were, they were on... And he would keep them together and speak to them and train them and then send them out and then they'd go out and then they'd come back again and then he'd spend time with them. So Prabhupada worked like that also. He had... A small coterie of inner disciples, and they were supposed to train others like this. Many devotees think that well, traditionally disciples always live their gurus, but it's it's not true in all cases. That's for the brahmachari living in the gurukul. Hmm. But even then, he may he may t- he may take a further initiation even after being in the gurukul. As well, just like Advaita Acharya, he was superficially of Brahmana caste, so he must have received the Upanayanam or the Brahminical induction into Brahminical status. But then, when Madhavendra Puri came, he took Vaishnavi Diksha from him. It's on a different level. So, it's quite a complex subject. One who is sincere can take the essence. Prabhupada said, I, I, didn't have, I didn't meet with my guru more than a dozen times. But he took the essence. Whereas others spent years with him and still they, they couldn't do what Prabhupada did. Well, they, didn't, they didn't get the same mercy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a continuum. Bhakti is generally a continuum. 
It may be. It's very difficult to say. Exactly. But we'll, generally any major event in one's life we'll find that it's connected with some major punya or pap that we did in a previous life. And there are so many instances cited in the Puranas. Those who do this uh, brigu horror, they, they, you go to some astrologer and they have the chart ready for you, prepared by brigu, muni, in the past. That was prepared for you. You are supposed to come at this time and see the astrologer and brigu has already everything written about you in advance. <laughs> and they'll say, I, I saw someone's chart recently. Um, it's the chart of one of the disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Swaitako. So it said due to some offense in a previous life, you will again, although you came from a very good devotional background in the previous life, because of some offense, then some serious result will come. And it was a very serious result. Extremely serious. <laughs> so Brigo could see that. <laughs> What's the time? And that program's supposed to begin, what, at 11 o'clock? All right, yeah. Okay. Is there any other question? <laughs>